0: You're listening to The Plastic Shift Podcast. Welcome to The Plastic Shift Podcast. I'm Madhav Malotra, one of the students at The Plastic Shift, and I'm reaching out to several experts working to solve issues with plastic pollution. This podcast showcases unique perspectives on this massive problem to identify what its most important aspects are. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Ana Silva, the co-founder and CEO of Comitatus Group, a sustainable plastics trading company. Today's work involves connecting product producers with suppliers of alternative plastic materials, like recycled thermoplastics. I'm very excited to learn more about how the plastic trade is going, especially given our current state of disruptions with economic recessions, a pandemic, and so on. So thank you for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to learning a lot more about your company's work and especially the status quo of all of the challenges going on here. But first of all, I'd love to just hear a little bit about who you are, your story, and how you got started with your work.
1: First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Such an honor. I'm very excited to be here and talk about what we have planned for today. My background actually is not in plastics. I came to the plastics industry by chance. My family is originally from Brazil and my father has a compounding plastics factory there. And when I was growing up, I did not think that I was going to ever work there or join that space, but I have always had a passion for strong social causes and sustainability. And so when I went to college, I studied international affairs. And originally, I wanted to go into the nonprofit space, but I wasn't thrilled with the pace of change in the nonprofit space. It's very slow. It's a very resource scarce. And so I decided to actually take a year and go to Brazil and work with my father there at his plastics compounding factory so I could reorganize my thoughts, you know, really find my niche and what I wanted to do. And while working there, I saw a very big opportunity for the emerging market that is bioplastics, recycled plastics, just a demand for more sustainable materials. And I knew that because I was working at his compounding factory, I knew that a lot of the companies had trouble accessing these innovative materials, either because of price or because they just didn't know they existed, didn't have the right contacts. And so that's really where I was like, I can combine my passion for sustainability with something that will work and a need in the m- market supply chain. And that's when I came back to the US and in Massachusetts and I opened Comitatus Group. And that is what we do we're connecting the supply chain from the suppliers of these sustainable, innovative plastics and then the injection molders and compounders that are going to use them in their final product.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think it's very interesting to hear about how you kind of noticed the state of the industry and some of the challenges that lie there. And then we're able to formulate, you know, how you might be able to take a place in that position and fill that niche in the industry. And to get started with uh, the details of your work, I think it's really interesting to talk to a plastic supplier, which is something that we haven't done so far on this podcast. Okay. And thinking about some of the details involved in your work, I'd love to hear about, first of all, when it comes to your clients, you know, who are the types of businesses that you're working with? What types of priorities are important to them when they consider the material that they might use? And then the other end of things on how you work with the source of the materials themselves to figure out what is the best way to establish supply chains, et cetera?
1: We have actually clients in various different industries. And so each industry really has their own requirements and concerns that they're looking out for and their own motivations of why they want to seek sustainable alternatives. And so, for example, we supply automotive. We also have clients in the food packaging space and in the beauty space. So to take those three as examples, and since we offer both recycled materials as well as bioplastics, we really try to understand where is the client from, what industry are they in, and what are their goals? Because a lot of companies and brands will have different goals. A lot of people come to me and they say, we really just want recycled material, we have a passion for saving the ocean and that cause. And so we want ocean bound plastics. And so my job is to really hear them out and listen to them and go source that material for ocean bound plastics. If they're telling me that this is what they want and this is what their cause is, then I wouldn't go and look for a bioplastic for them because that's not what they're looking for. And so in the automotive space, a lot of the time they want a cheaper material, either for engine parts, and a lot of the times nylons that are recycled are cheaper than prime or virgin pellets. And so I will source the pre grind polyamides and things like that. And for the beauty space, a lot of the concerns sometimes is contamination between the plastic leaking into their product because. It'll go on your face and on your skin. And so they want to make sure that their product isn't being contaminated by some kind of leaching of the plastic. And so we do tests with them to make sure that the container that the plastic is for does not go into their essential oils or cream or anything like that. And then as well in the food space, we want to ensure that the materials are FDA food safe, And they have all the certifications to back it up that they can be used with food. So really, every client is a unique approach and has their own set of motivations and challenges and things that we have to look out for when sourcing these materials for them.
0: Mm -hmm. And do you find that when you often have these clients come in to talk to you for the first time, that they already know what they kind of want in terms of, you know, price range, in terms of this is the lightness of the material, this is the types of properties you were talking about in terms of mm. the chemicals involved, or do you find that you often have a role in trying to help them make that decision, trying to provide the right sources of information, trying to provide different, say, models for making the types of decisions, maybe considering factors like the demands that people might have for this type of plastic versus another, et cetera.
1: Mm. It really depends on the stage that the client is at, if they're more of an established company or if they're just a startup. Oftentimes, I do find that for the most part, we do play a big role in kind of guiding the client into what they want. They won't know a lot about what kind of properties they're looking for. And so we'll oftentimes have to work also with the molders to get the right material for the mold and, and for the end product. Um, sometimes it does happen that they'll come and they know exactly what they want, but I do find that mostly we do play that role and, and kind of provoking them to think about what really are you looking for? what What's kind of the message that you want to be sending to your own customer base and, and where does that fit into your cost? Because these are materials that right now, especially with the pandemic and COVID, are at a higher price point. And so we want to make sure that we're offering three to four options that take into account not only the property requirements, but the cost effectiveness for our clients as well.
0: And mm-hmm. uh, I think you really hit on a very major point of uh, work on our end. We've been... I've been Mm. freaking about the price gap right now, because um, just like a few months ago, I believe in April, price of crude oil was literally negative. You can't compete with this. And the issue is like, especially in these times, I'm sure it's a challenging thing, convincing companies to try and take on new expenses and even though they might um, care about sustainability it's hard in an economic recession to prioritize different needs etc how do you think your business has been affected by this uh, by these events and then do you kind of hear about what product manufacturers are going through the types of hard decisions they're making right now
1: yeah it has affected everyone in some capacity i think there are a lot of plastic suppliers that were positioned better you know suppliers that were supplying to medical supplies in in the healthcare industry and so those really took a boom but if you were you know in in other spaces i definitely felt a pause even within our own um our own company and so we definitely felt the effects there when you know, our clients stop buying, we stop buying, so we stop purchasing from our suppliers. And so it does ripple effect. But I think also that we, in this pandemic, we're in a crisis, we're in an economic crisis, an equality crisis, an environmental crisis, and from crisis really is just another word for opportunity, right? It's it's an opportunity to kind of build better and rethink our systems and, and how we're operating. And so I do think even though the pricing for these bioplastics and sustainable alternatives has become less competitive in the short term, I do think there is greater demand of sustainability going into the future as restrictions loosen, because people are seeing, you know, these are how my consumption is affecting the environment and everything. And even though people right now don't really have the purchasing power to buy more expensive products, everyone's trying to budget. I do think that that value of trying to buy sustainable and live a more sustainable life is strong and will continue to strengthen and, and be present post pandemic. Um, and so I do think that some parts too of the plastics industry and because plastics is everywhere, right? We're in every industry. And so when I talk about plastics industry, I'm talking about the applications such as coffee capsules, which in the pandemic now has skyrocketed, right? Because everyone is at home making their own coffee. They're not going to their local coffee shop. They're buying more coffee capsules at home. And so What do you do with the coffee capsules after? So really bioplastics for coffee capsule applications has really taken off. So I do think that in some ways the pandemic has slowed and made a pause in some applications, but I really think it has been a launching ground for others. And I think it's really important for us to see what is here to permanently shift and what we can do better when we start going back to some type of normal.
0: Mm -hmm. And on that note, we've been talking to some of the researchers that study this type of thing in terms of the economics of the situation, but in particular, the incentives of different stakeholders involved. And just personally, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is, given your position in the industry, it's kind of like you have to basically take on two burdens. You have to make sure that you have the networks with the right suppliers and have all the logistics and supply chain issues to them. But then I think the even bigger issue, assumption here, just correct me if I'm wrong, is the demand side of things and making sure that, as you were saying earlier, you understand the needs and wants of your clients and what they're actually creating, the end products. And thinking about this, one of the things that I've been hypothesizing recently is one of the most important parts of being a source of materials for companies is to very tangibly be able to deliver the value of making a move to sustainable materials. And the reason I say that is, one, In terms of what you said, yes, people do demand sustainability, but which people and at what level and what are the trade-offs associated there? And I think in some parts, a source of plastic materials would be able to generate a lot more demand if they were able to quantify these kinds of benefits for companies themselves. And even more so than that, It's like you can have even greater power by not just quantifying these positive benefits, but more so thinking about how to shape messaging in a way to amplify the pains that companies are going through. One hypothesis that I've been working with at another company that we were talking to was to think about a way of framing the problem as a problem of you know, there is more and more price competition in the world, especially right now with um, falling prices for different materials. But the thing is, you definitely know you can't compete on price, especially on a global scale. So say we were thinking about a major company, like a global company at this point. It's like the messaging to get them to invest in plastics isn't to tell them about all of the sustainability benefits, but to tell them, You know, on a global scale, there's no way you're competing on price. So there's some other way that you have to be able to differentiate your product. These are just some of the hypotheses that I've been thinking about. I'd love to hear about what your company is doing to get through the pandemic and then focus on the opportunities in terms of the tangible actions you can take to get more companies interested in buying plastics, sustainable ones.
1: Sure, I think you're completely correct. And I very interesting hypothesis that you bring up, because it is something that we think about. And we really try to focus on the bigger picture of the circularity of plastics. And I think when you really think about it in that way, and in shifting to a circular economy, whether it be with recycled plastics or bioplastics, you see that there are benefits for every stakeholder involved and not only at a price level but in every level and so actually an interesting talk i recently participated in was circularity 2020 conference and you know what they brought up is that for every c level member there is a benefit right to pushing for a circular economy in the plastic space for your cfo in today's time sustainability is profitability right even in the pandemic people who can they want to buy sustainable products and as they gain more money as they start you know to go back to their normal lives regain their jobs they're looking to vote with their wallet they're looking to purchase these materials and for your CMO your chief marketing officer you're really building out that sustainability image, right? You're enticing people with the product that you have that is good for not only the consumer, but the planet and whatever their value prop is. For the chief innovation officer, I think circularity really inspires new designs, new ways of thinking and designing products. So it's very interesting for them as well and for partnerships it really builds new partnerships because it it is really everyone's problem it takes everyone to come together and remake the system and i think that's where legislation is really important to promote these kind of materials and to push them forward to make recycling infrastructure better to make bioplastic manufacturing cheaper and these products more accessible to companies so that they can switch to them. And so really in the whole scheme of things, it's really interesting for every stakeholder to invest in this and kind of push forward with the circularity of plastics.
0: Mhm. And I'd like to push you a bit further on this point in terms of the specifics of what a company like yours can actually do about this kind of messaging. So, for instance, in like a sales pitch, you might talk about this, but is it that you're actually sourcing the right data to present to clients to figure out how do we hook people in to actually show these benefits are there any other types of tangible actions i know that a bunch of other companies we've talked to that supply plastic materials they have unique things that they do such as um, figuring out in terms of the supply chain how do we make sure that we can document what's happening where so that at the end the largest of companies they are concerned about things like greenwashing that we can make yeah. sure to certify these types of things. Are there any type right. of um, specific actions that you think you can take moving forward when it comes to making this happen in terms of making it tangible for your businesses to want to invest in sustainable
1: plastics? Definitely. I think something a point that you brought up with, with greenwashing, you know, it's very real. And I think it really takes away from the credibility of other companies who are legitimate in this space and are really doing good work and, and coming up with innovative products. And so what we try to do, the role we play is an educational role. We have our blog on our website as well. We send out a newsletter and posting about what are bioplastic, how does recycling work what are these certifications really to watch out for when buying a material if it says that it's compostable what type of compostability is it home compostable industrial compostable what are the differences between the two what are the differences between post-consumer post-industrial recycling material and so really giving the power to the consumer knowledge is power so really giving the consumer the knowledge and having the, all the th- terminology and processes that happen in the plastic industry, along with regulations and certifications so that it's right there for them. Because a lot of the times, if you just go on Google and online, you will find everything under the sun. So it's very hard to sift through all of that information. People just don't have the time to, to do that. And so as a company in the supply chain in this space, we feel that we have a responsibility to curate good and accurate information as a resource for our clients to go to and and learn about these alternatives so that they're interested in the materials and that they can also see how these products fit in into their brand.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that type of initiative is very important, being able to not only create something but create something by recognizing what people need first and then Definitely. bringing in that value and regarding that as we move forward into the future i know that given recent updates it's like it feels like everything is changing so quickly and in particular with the plastics industry in recent years we've started to see more and more life cycle analyses done more and more comparisons mm-hmm. of different types of plastics um, for instance like a little bit back, we had oxydegradable plastics and people thought that would be a good idea. Turns out it wasn't. You have these kinds of issues that are important to sort out with many bioplastics today as well. As we continuously evolve in getting better materials in figuring out what the side effects of these materials can be at the end of their life, what are some of the things that you as a company need to keep on doing continuously In order to make sure that you do have the most sustainable materials, but then also when you might notice that something isn't maybe quite as perfect as it initially seemed to be, and that's just the state of things given how science progresses, how can you adapt to that?
1: I think the key really is to be on top of things, not only for our sake, but also as a responsibility to our clients and being honest when, you know, some material that we have offered in the past, maybe now has come to light that maybe it's not the best material moving forward. You know, these things do come up as new research are that are done on them, new tests come out. And so it is a a big process of trial and error. And a lot of new solutions are coming up in recent years. And you do need that time to kind of have the testing done for them. And so really making sure that we are aware of all the new materials and innovations that are coming out so that we can have a big portfolio of solutions to offer to the client, but also making sure that we're following these innovations to make sure, is this really sustainable? Is this really, if a lifecycle analysis comes out, is this really what we're looking for? Is this really something we want to put our name behind? Because if we put our name behind a product that we don't 100% believe in, or that in the future, turns out it's not actually any better for the environment or for the consumer, that will only reflect badly on us, reflect badly on the customer, and it, it won't help in any way, shape, or form. And that's what we really want, is to bring solutions and not further problems. And so just being really on top of things of the research, Always being aware of what's coming out and following through with the material, not just a one and done. You know, oh, we chose this product. Now we're forever <laughs> gonna be with it. But always keeping a critical eye and communicating that with the customer, and not not being afraid to say we made a mistake, or you know, maybe this is another route you can take.
0: so yes, I think that's a very important and very honorable kind of mindset because that is you know what happens it isn't like you know everything at any point there's so many uncertainties but um, it's incredible to hear how you're making the best of what you can and then once a mistake inevitably does happen then dealing with it in a proper fashion and I wanted to end off the podcast by just you know we started off with the theme of it is Tough right now, there are lots of changes. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about finally some of the largest pain points that you might have right now. So as a company, what is your attention focused on in terms of problems to address? And then also in terms of areas that you think need more attention, that you might want to encourage other people, entrepreneurs, nonprofits, researchers, etc., to put their attention on.
1: Sure. I think those all really just go together, you know. Like I said, we are in a time of crisis and different kinds of crisis: economic, equality, environmental. And I think as a business and as a company, we're really trying to not only push for the solutions in economic or environmental crisis, right? We're not only selling sustainable materials; we also want to make sure that we are being an agent of change and and of good in the business space. And as entrepreneurs, I think we need to be very tuned in to what is going on around the world and around our country and see what are the opportunities within my industry and within my company to take a stand and and to contribute solutions. And so I think what I do a lot, at least in, in my company, is try to identify those spaces and 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 really see how can we further diversity and inclusion in our own company you know how can we close the gaps ensure that there is equality and equal opportunity how can we internally have more sustainable practices and all of these things so i think it's really thinking about as a company not just what your value prop is, but really looking at your company as a whole organism and seeing how can I use this to be an agent of change and and really promote these things because I think it is the responsibility of leaders and of companies to really set their best foot forward and in a time like this come together for change.
0: Well, I think that's very respectful given all of these tough times and I think it's great to hear about your work as a small business trying to do your best to make a change and get through this if anyone's interested in learning more about your work where might they go
1: they can go to comitatus with a v.com or email contact at com, and i will for sure be able to respond and i'm loving to converse with anybody
0: all right well that sounds great Thank you for making the time to explain the state of this industry right now, and I wish you the best of luck with everything going forward in the future.
1: Thank you so much for having me.